Good morning, church. It's good to be here this morning. And I don't get up here to Canada much. I'm a Jersey boy, married a Jersey girl 53 years ago. And uh, she was a good Catholic girl, oldest of 12, very religious, very moral, very lost. And I was nothing. And uh, we got saved in 1975. And uh, our life changed instantly, completely. And uh, you hear people, you say, how you doing? Oh, I'm living the dream. Well, we really have been living the dream. And it's just been great to be saved and to be able to serve the Lord. Some of our family's been up here and they, they love coming up here. They always come back with good reports. And uh, I appreciate your church. I've, I've been around a while and I've never been in a service before where people were getting uh, honored for 40 years and 50 years. And six. I've never seen that before in my life. Um, they say that the life of the average Christian is about seven years. The church just turns over. People keep moving and leaving and getting mad, whatever they do. So uh, it's really impressive to me to, to meet some people that have really stuck with it and really been there through the good times and the hard times and, and didn't quit. And uh, so let me commend you. And uh, you have a great church. The Lord is good. I'm going to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you'll turn over with me, out of the word of God. <clears throat> Paul said, I thank God he counted me faithful, putting me into ministry. I was a drywall finisher, construction guy, pretty hard living. The Lord saved us and God put me into ministry and I just, I, I'm so glad to be able to open the word of God and preach the word of God this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter number nine, the apostle Paul says in verse number six, this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every, morning, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Father, please bless your word today. We pray, Lord, that you will take this word of God, these words of God, and use them and put them in our hearts. We love you, Lord. We praise you and we thank you for how, how good you are, God. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach this morning on this word here. God loves a cheerful giver. I want to preach for a few minutes on the subject of givers, givers. There's two kinds of people in the world. I know there's saved people and lost people, but there are givers and there are takers. There are some people that are givers and there's some people that are takers. I hope you are a giver. And if you're not a giver, you ought to be a giver. Uh, givers are the happiest people I believe in the world. And we're the most blessed people in the world. Um, if you're not a cheerful giver, you're probably not a giver. And if it hurts when you give, you're definitely not a giver. I can tell you that right now. Now, look at this verse. It says, God loves a cheerful giver. Giving is what we do. A giver is what we are. 
or what we're supposed to be. What you are will determine what you do. What being is more important than doing. A lot of times when we preachers preach, we preach on the doing, the doing. Last night I preached on uh, doing something great for God. If you are what you are supposed to be, you will do what you're supposed to do. Givers just automatically give. Givers are compelled to give. Last night, Brother Vic, who drove me up here, and Brother Kevin were fighting each other over who was going to buy the gas to put in the truck. And I'm just sitting in there. I'm not saying anything. I I thought, you know, but I, I got two givers out there fighting each other for the opportunity to give. Notice I use that word opportunity to give. A need is an opportunity. Let that sink in a little bit. A need is an opportunity. Somebody else's need is your opportunity. And let me just say this. I'm not preaching about money this morning. As soon as we see a verse about giving, we think, well, you know, the church wants all my money or whatever. I'm not talking about that at all. But somebody else's need is your opportunity to give. Over in Acts chapter number one and verse eight, the Bible says you should receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Jesus said, you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and you're going to be witnesses unto me. You're going to tell people about me. The church, let me say, the church has many ministries, but we have one mission and that's keeping people out of hell. Of some have compassion, making a difference, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. The reason we don't go soul winning, the reason we don't win souls is we're not soul winners. The reason people don't give, they're not givers. It's like trying to make a cat fly. I got saved in 1975. I already mentioned that. And uh, back in those days, John R. Rice, who was an old evangelist at that time, and Jack Hiles were going around the United States. I don't know if they came up to Canada or not. And they would do a Sword of the Lord conference. They'd come in and preach Monday night and Tuesday night all over the country. So I'm just a new Christian. My pastor says, I'm going to go hear uh, Jack Hiles. Do you want to go? I didn't know who Jack Hiles was. Sure, I'll go. Go with the preacher and go to preaching. I was excited. I'm still excited, by the way. Thank the Lord. We got to the church and he said this. He said, now, I, I think Jack Hiles is going to preach first. He said, when he gets done preaching, they'll stand and sing a song and we're going to leave. Now, I'm, I'm a new Christian. I'm a brand new Christian, but I knew there was something wrong with that. Well, the Lord had it this way. John R. Rice got up and preached first. And I'm sitting there watching this guy. I don't know who he is. And he's, he's reading the Bible. And after a few minutes, I realize he's reading the Bible with his eyes closed. He's up there like this. Well, he had it memorized. He had it memorized. And he's starting to tell these stories about people getting saved. He's in the taxi cab and he talks to this person and they get saved. And the lady at the hotel, he talks to her about the Lord and she starts crying and she gets saved. Well, God lit a fire in my heart. God put something in my heart just being there, listening to this man. When I went there, I'd never won a soul to Christ. I'd never tried to win a soul to Christ. 
I was not a soul winner when I went in. But when I came out, listen to me, I was a soul winner. You say, well, who did you win to Christ? Nobody. You say, well, how could you be a soul winner? It wasn't what I did. It was what I was. It, it was in my heart. I, I wanted more than anything else to tell people about the Lord and see them get saved. The first person I led to the Lord was within a week. And that person today is preaching back at Solid Rock. It was my own son. I didn't have to go far. I mean, he, was, he was there all the time. But you see, a soul winner is something we are. A Christian is something we are. A giver is something we are. If you're not a giver, you need to be a giver. Thou shall not covet. Beware of covetousness. Remember Ebenezer Scrooge? A Christmas carol? It's Christmas time coming up. I mean, Scrooge is just the nastiest, meanest guy in the world. I mean, he's just, he's a money grubber. And all of a sudden, because of a dream, his life has changed. Some change is bad, but not all change is bad. A lot of change is good. Somebody in this room today, you need to make the change. Rather than being all about me, it needs to be about others. We don't live our life for ourselves to be a taker, but we live our life for others to be a giver. Let me give you some points real quick and we got to move. God is a giver. God is the greatest giver because God gave the greatest gift. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When it talks about believing in the Lord, it doesn't mean just believe about like Abraham Lincoln or Queen Victoria. I forget I'm in Canada here. I got to put some Canadian people in there, British people in there. I don't know any Canadian. I don't know the prime minister, but it's okay. He don't know me either. Come on now, be nice. It means to trust in, believe in. I have two sons. I might die for you. And that's a big might. I mean, if there was something going on, I would like to think of myself, I'll be the hero and I'll save somebody's life and pull them out of the fire. I might lay down my life for somebody. I don't know because I've never been in that situation. But can I tell you something? I don't care who it is. I would not give my son for anybody. How many parents here? I can't, some people, I can't even get them to admit they're a parent. Are your kids that bad? I mean, come on. <laughs> I loved my mom and dad with all my heart when I was growing up. We had, a, we had a good family. We had a close family. We had a loving family. I loved my mom and dad with all my heart. But I didn't know how much they loved me until I had children. Till I had children, I thought I was loving as much as anybody could love. Can I tell you something? We can't imagine how much God loves us. You can't imagine. We just do not have the capability of understanding how much God loves us to give his son. And here's the sad part. God gives his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to pay for our sins, to shed his blood, and people turn their back on him. People don't go to hell because they couldn't get saved. 
They go to hell because they wouldn't get saved. God's the biggest giver. It's, it's godly to be a giver. Let me give you this thought. You can be a great giver. You can be a great giver. I preached last night on doing great things for God. Not everybody in here could be a great singer. I can't sing. Not everybody in here could be a great piano player. I can't play piano. But anybody could be a great giver. You don't have to have talent to be a great giver. Let me give you this thought. Giving is part of worship. Look over in Luke chapter 2. Giving is part of worship. In Luke chapter number 2, I'm in Luke chapter 2, I'm sorry. I want to be in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 2, in verse 11, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. So here's Jesus and here's Mary and here's Joseph and the wise men come and they fell down and notice they worshiped him. They didn't worship her and they didn't worship them. They worshiped him. When the devil tempted Jesus to fall down and worship him, Jesus said, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou worship. So they fell down and worshiped him and when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, why did they bring the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh? They brought it to worship God with their gifts. The giving was part of their worship. We have to be careful that giving isn't like just some routine thing. You know, I got to find something in my pocket because the plate's going to come by. And, you know, it, it isn't just, uh, you know, a, a break in between the singing and the preaching. When we talk about worship services and having worship services, a lot of people don't even know what worship is. Part of worship and a big part of worship is our giving to the Lord. How do we give to the Lord? Well, we give cheerfully, but we give to the Lord through our Bible-believing church. You're not giving your money to the church. You say, well, that was the name on the check. I understand that. But we are giving our money to the Lord, but we give it through the church because that's God's plan. Let me ask you a question here. I, over in New Jersey, we get our license plates and our registration. We have what's called a motor vehicle agency. And you go there and you buy your plates and your registration. So I don't know what it is, $75, $100, something like that. Let's just say I buy, you know, a little sign and I rent a little building next to the motor vehicle agency and I put a sign up, license plates, registration, $40. How long do you think I'm going to last? They're going to come in there and grab me and haul me away. You say, why would they do that? I'm not authorized to sell those license plates and those registrations. I don't have the authority to do that. Can I tell you something? The guy on television don't have the authority to take your money. 
our gifts, our offerings go to the Lord through the church. That's local church. Um, look in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm kind of going a little bit slow here today, but I do want this to sink in. 1 Peter chapter number 2. Giving is part of our worship. When we are worshiping the Lord, we're doing that. Part of it is our giving. Look in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. The Bible says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We sure live up to that, don't we? That you should show forth, notice, the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God saves us from our sin. He doesn't save us to sin. You with me? God saves us from our sin. Notice the verse here, a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, there were prophets and priests and kings. And the prophet and the priest and the king were all anointed. And Jesus is a prophet, a priest, and a king. He came as a prophet. He died on the cross. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. The prophet represented God to the people. When God spoke, he would speak to the prophet, and the prophet would speak to the people. The priest represented the people to God. Somebody would bring a sacrifice to the Lord. And they would bring that sacrifice to the priest and the priest would offer it to the Lord. Listen, we are a royal priesthood. We do not need somebody else to offer our sacrifice. And of course, we have our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, whoever lives to make intercession for us. So as independent Baptists, we believe in the priesthood of the believer. You may not be real familiar with that term, but the idea is my wife was Catholic. She would have to go to the priest and confess her sins to the priest. We don't do that. That's not Bible. We go boldly to the throne of grace. Go with me over to Hebrews and chapter number 13. In Hebrews chapter 13, and verse 12, wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Verse 15, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. So now what did the priest do? He offered a sacrifice. It was a blood sacrifice, a human sacrifice, an offering. We offer, as New Testament priests, the sacrifice of praise. We're in here this morning. We're, we're praising the Lord. That's part of our worship. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Look at verse 16. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. Now, what does that word communicate? When we think of communicating, we think of talking to each other. Uh, people come for marriage counseling. Well, we, we don't communicate. 
In Elizabethan English here, this word communicate means to give. To communicate means to give. So it says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. But to do good and communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So I took a long while to say this, that our giving as a New Testament priest is part of my worshiping God. It's important. It's important to God and it's important to us. We're supposed to worship God in spirit and in truth. Let me give you this thought. Look over in Luke chapter number six. God blesses giving. God blesses giving. God blesses giving. God blesses giving. Look in Luke 6, 38. If you don't give, you miss the blessing of giving. Being able to give is a blessing. Giving is a blessing. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Give and it shall be given unto you. Let me ask you a question. What is the it? Well, we automatically think money. Give money. Give and it shall be given unto you is anything you want it to be. The it is anything you want it to be. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. You go in the restaurant and you're all mean and nasty and grouchy. You better be careful because you don't know what they're going to do with your food back there in that kitchen. But if you're all smiley and happy and kidding, probably that waitress is going to be, or waiter, server, politically correct, is going to be happy and friendly and smiling to you. See, because what you give is what you're going to get. You, you have, you're, you, you're critical with your family. You're going to have a critical family. Give and it shall be given unto you. Now listen. We don't give to get. But if we give, we will get. If I give to get, that's greedy giving. Listen to this. Giving should not be, let me repeat that. Getting should not be the reason we give. Getting is the reward for giving. God blesses giving. If you will give, God will give back to you. And you can't outgive God, and I could go on and on on this point forever and ever. Receiving is not the reason for giving, it's the reward for giving. I have some verses I'd turn to, I'm going to skip, but look in Luke 16. We think money when somebody talks about giving. And to us, money shouldn't be, but many times could be the most important thing. And I'm not minimizing importance of money because money is important. In God's eyes, think about this. This is just the opposite of what we think. Money is the least thing that you can give. Out of anything you could give, your time, your love, your attention, out of anything you could give, 
money would be number one to us, it's last to him. Look in Luke chapter, chapter 10, chapter 16 and verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. What is God talking about here being the least? He's talking about mammon, material things, possessions. He calls it unrighteous mammon. He that is faithful in that which is least and faithful in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust in much. Money is a test. God gives us money for a test to see whether he can trust us or not. He says, if you're not faithful in that which is least, you can't be faithful in much. So I'll give you a little bit of what's the least and see how you handle it. If you handle that, I can give you the true riches. A lot of us have taken the test and failed and didn't even know we were tested. Look at verse 12. If you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Verse 11, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust to true riches? If God can't trust you with money, how can he trust you with the word of God? If God can't trust you with money, how can he trust you with, with souls? So the least you can give is money. Let me make this statement. There's nothing wrong with having money. It's, it's a good thing to have money. Money is a good thing to have. Here's where the problem comes in, when money has you. Having money is not bad. Having money is a blessing. But when money has you, the love of money is the root of all evil. Brother Vic here is a funeral director. And he could tell you story after story after story when somebody dies and families break apart and shatter and end up hating each other and going to court over money. God help us to not be lovers of money. Let me make this statement. You don't have to have a lot of money to be a great giver. We think, well, gee, if I had a lot of money, I'd give it to the church. I can't tell you how many people I've had tell me, well, if I hit that lottery preacher, I'm going to give some to the church. Well, just take the money you're wasting on the lottery and give that to the church. You don't have to have a great, we think, well, gee, I don't have a lot of money. I can't be a great giver. Did you ever hear of the widow of Zarephath? The widow of Zarephath, Elijah comes in there and says, make me a cake. She said, well, I don't have a cake. I got a little meal in a barrel and I got a little oil in a cruise and, and I'm going to make a cake for me and my son and we're going to eat it and then we're going to starve to death. Well, he said, make me a cake first. And you know, God had already spoken to her. The word of the Lord had already come to her. And you know what she did? She gave, it wasn't much, but she gave it all. I wonder if anybody in this room could say, I gave it all. We should, it'd be a good testimony. If you wait till you have a lot of money to start giving, you will never be a giver. You hear me? Well, when I get money, when I get my bills paid, when I get my whatever, my inheritance or whatever you're getting, this woman never had any extra. 
but she always had enough. I, I don't know about you, but I've lived like that most of my life, just about all my life. Never any extra. So if we're waiting for extra to give, we're not going to give. The tithe is the Lord's. The first fruit belonged to the Lord. We don't say, well, I'm going to do all this and this and this. If I got anything extra, I'll give that to the Lord. No, you don't put the Lord last. You put the Lord first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Look at Mark chapter 12 and I'm almost done. So stay with me. Don't let me lose you this morning. I believe this. I believe givers love messages on giving. You know, people, well, you know, all they want down there in church, they just want your money. That's not true. It does take money to operate a ministry. In Mark chapter number 12, and verse 41, Jesus sat over against the treasury, means opposite the treasury, and he beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. Listen, when, whatever you put in that plate, when that plate came by, God was watching that. He doesn't have to be sitting here on the platform watching you to know what you're doing or know what I'm doing. God knows what we do. God knows our heart. God knows whether you're a cheerful giver or you're an Ebenezer Scrooge. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money in the treasury. Many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. I don't know how much that was, but it was a very small amount. He called unto him his disciples. Hey guys, I want to teach you a lesson. I want to, I want to show you something. I want you to get this. He called his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in at her abundance, but she of her want did cast all that she had, even all her living. Who's the biggest giver in this church? Well, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. I'll make a statement. The person who puts the most money in the plate is probably not the biggest giver in this church. You say, well, they put the most money in. Yeah, but that isn't how God reckons. We judge giving by what people put in. God judges giving by what people have left after they've put in. Think about that for a while. A steward, a steward believes it's all God's. So if I'm a steward, it's not how much of my money I put in the plate. It's how much of God's money I keep. You see the difference? We say, well, I'm going to put $10 of my money in that plate. I'm going to give that to God. It's all God's. 
How much of God's money, because it's all his, how much of God's money do I need to get along? That's where we measure giving. Not by what we gave our money, but how much of God's money we're living on. And let me say this. We're not just responsible for what we give. We're responsible for what we keep. Everything God puts at my disposal, I'm going to give an account for. It's not, a, it's not the amount. It's, it's what you have. I was preaching in Philadelphia, right on the Delaware River that separates New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And there's a little church there, about maybe as big as this platform. It's called the New Greenwich Light Baptist Church. And it's an old church, goes back into the 1800s. There was a pastor in that church that used to row out to the ships and gather the seamen and bring them into the church. The pastor did that for 50 years. And the pastor was a lady. Now, I'm not into lady pastors, but she's going to be, I won't even be able to see the back of her head when we're in heaven hopefully getting some rewards. I got done preaching at the New Greenwich Light Baptist Church. And I was sitting there and I had a Susan B. Anthony dollar. It's, a, it's not silver, but it's a metal coin that's worth a dollar. And you don't see them much in the States. They're, they're, they just don't use them. They're not very handy to use. So I'm sitting on the front row and there's this little boy comes in and just the cutest little kid you ever saw. He's about five or six years old. And I said, uh, what's your name? He said, Nicholas. I said, Nicholas, that's a, that's a good name. I said, here, let me give you this. And I handed, him, I handed him that coin. I only got a quarter in my pocket. But he took, he took that Susan B. Anthony coin. He looked at that. And he's looking at it like, what is this? And I said, that's a dollar. He said, oh, a dollar. Here's what he said. I'll give that to missions. I'll give that to missions. That was three years ago. And I still think of Nicholas being that little boy and somebody was training him to be a giver. Young people can be givers. Remember five loaves and two little fish. It wasn't much, but he gave it all to the Lord. And whatever little you have, when you give it to the Lord, he'll bless it and he'll break it and he'll multiply it. It's more blessed to give than receive, Jesus said. I remember Jack Kyles. I heard him say this a couple different times. He says, if you live to get, Christmas comes once a year. But if you live to give, you can have Christmas every day. That's a good thought. Look in 1 Chronicles and we'll close. In 1 Chronicles, chapter 29, if you would turn with me and verse number 12. 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse number 12. 
Let me look, let me read verse 11. Here, here's the setting. They're going to build the house of God. They're going to build the temple. And, and David wants to be part of it. He's, he's not able to build it, but he wants to be part of it. And he says in verse 11, 1 Chronicles 29, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Man, there's a lot of preaching there. All that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. Thou art exalted as head above all. All that is in heaven and earth. Jesus, God said that the, uh, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He said, it's, it's all yours. He says, both riches and honor come of thee. And thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might. And thy hand is to make great and give strength unto all. Verse 14. Who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee. And of thy own hand, of thy own, have we given thee. Of thy own, we've given thee. It's all God's. And we're giving back to him what's already his. Can you see that? All things come of thee, and of thine own we give thee. Look at verse 16. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build a house for thy holy name cometh of thy hand, and is all thy own. Everything we've brought here to give to you is yours. When my children were little, I have three children. When Christmas came, I gave all three of our children money to buy me and their mother gifts. They wanted to buy us something for Christmas. They didn't have any money. I gave them the money. They bought our presents with our money. Can I tell you something? Everything you put in that plate today, you gave God his own money. That's his money. It's all his. Riches come from him. Money comes from him. He's the one that blesses. He's the one that does it. It's him. It's all about God. It's all about the Lord. When I was a little boy, Sears and Roebuck having hard times. I don't know if you have Sears in Canada, but they're going broke. But Sears had a catalog that they sent. I think everybody in the United States got a Sears catalog. And before Thanksgiving, in November, I would get that Sears catalog and I'd circle everything I could circle in that catalog. And then I would leave that catalog out to the page open that I circled just so my mother or my dad could see it. When I thought about Christmas, listen, as a child, all I thought about was what I was going to get for Christmas. But then I became a man. And when Christmas was coming, all I could think about, what am I going to buy my wife? All I could think about, what am I going to give my children? Paul said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. 
Givers live to give. Takers live to get. The greatest gift I ever got. What's the greatest gift anybody ever gave you? I've had people give me wonderful things, wonderful gifts. Some of them very, very small, very, very inexpensive. Some of them very large, very expensive. But the greatest gift ever given, the greatest gift you could ever get is the gift of salvation. What profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Salvation, the greatest gift to be saved, to be forgiven. When I got saved, I didn't get saved because I want to go to heaven. I didn't get saved because I didn't want to go to hell. I got saved because I want to be forgiven. Have you received the greatest gift ever given? Let me ask you this. What fool would refuse the greatest gift that could ever be given in the whole world? And yet people do every day. People come to church, they hear the invitation, they walk out without Christ. What a tragedy. If you're a giver, what's the greatest gift you've ever given? One year for Christmas, I bought my wife a new car. I went to the store to buy her a stereo. I didn't have any money, they wouldn't give me credit. So I went across the street and they sold me a Camaro. I gave it to her for Christmas. That's how stupid I was. I shouldn't say was. But that's not the greatest gift I ever gave anybody. The greatest gift you can give anybody, the greatest gift that can be given, listen to me please, is the gospel. Well, I'm a big giver. You, you can't imagine all the money I give to our church. If you're not giving people the gospel, you're not a giver. I hate to bust your bubble. You see, money's the least we can give. The world doesn't need money. The world needs Christ. The world needs Jesus. The world needs God. This morning with their heads bowed, the altar's open if God has spoke to your heart. You know, you can't, you can't really be a giver until you first receive Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, preacher talked about that passage today about cheerful givers. But it's a grace that is cultivated in your life, something that God gives you. The churches of Macedonia, they begged Paul to take the offices. They prayed us with much entreaty. And the reason they gave is because they gave their own selves first. 2 Corinthians 8, 5, but in 2 Corinthians 9, it says God purposed it in their hearts. Churches at Corinth just had a ready mind. You see, they gave because they gave themselves first. And they had a purpose in their hearts to give. The churches at Corinth, they didn't. It was just in their head. It was just a good idea. When I think about giving, I think of your time. Giving your time. Giving your talents giving your tithe, and then giving your treasures. Those four things, everything, pretty much everything fits in those categories. So I want to give a gift to somebody next to me. Well, that's out of your treasure. The tithe is already the Lord's. You say, I have, I have no, nothing to give. You've got time. 
Do you know that everybody in this room has the same amount of minutes every single week you can give? You just have to budget that time. You just have to decide, I'm going to give to the Lord what, that time. God gave you a talent. You might not be singing or it may not be music. It may, I, I don't know what it might be. It might be teaching. But God, everybody, every child of God has a birthday gift. God gave gifts to all men. Each one of us. We have to use that gift for God. The piano's going to begin to play. If God has spoke to your heart, step out and come. Maybe you're not saved today. You don't know Jesus. Let me say this. Preacher said, takers just want to get stuff. You don't get salvation. You receive salvation. All right? You get stuff. You get a parking ticket. You receive a gift. I know it's just words, but there's, a, there's an attitude difference there, isn't there? You don't, you don't get salvation. You don't get Jesus. You receive Jesus Christ. It's a gift that God has given by his grace. And for by grace are ye saved through faith. That's what you have to do is trust him. We can take a Bible and show you what it means to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. We're not going to tell you what we think. We're not going to show you some church creed. We'll take God's holy word and show you what it means. A lady with a lady, a man with a man. Could we help you today? Maybe there's somebody say, Pastor, I've never received Jesus Christ. I've never received this gift of eternal life. If I were to die today, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. Would you pray for me? My prayer won't save you. I'm just going to pray that God would help you. And then we will take a Bible and we will answer any questions you have and show you what God's word says. And you say, can you know for sure? I, I asked a lady one time if she knew, if she were saved, if she had eternal life. She says, can anybody really know? The Bible says, these things have I written unto them that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And what a wonderful promise. Would you just slip up your hand this morning and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. If I were to die today, I don't know where I'd go, heaven or hell. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody say, I do know. I'm, I'm on my way to hell. I'm not saved. I haven't trusted Jesus. Could we help you today?